fictional friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shireen. And it is the last week of November, which means it's the last week of nonfiction November at Fully Booked. Fucking freezing. Yeah, it's really cold. <laughs> Where uh, the snow came early this year because we've gotten, usually we get like a little touchdown and then it melts two days later. We did not get that this year. It's such a strange year for weather. It was like summer left, like it owed someone money in September. <laughs> But then then it it came came back, back. (laughs) and then it was hot until like mid-November, and then it just got really cold and snowy. And now it's, there's like a good, you know, a good number of inches of snow on the ground at the moment. So yeah, yeah, it's been a really odd one so far, but oh well. well. (laughs) We are finishing up, we're wrapping up the month of November, which means that we're wrapping up our coverage of nonfiction. Um, So today, I guess we, I mean, granted like to be fair like our first movie that we covered was like a very different type of story Mm. Uh, but it's kind of hard these days especially to talk about nonfiction without talking about true crime in some way shape or form Mm. Um, so in sort of conjunction with uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer series that premiered on Netflix um, a little earlier maybe in the month of October if I'm not mistaken it came out Um, we decided that it would be an interesting thing to kind of revisit another Dahmer specific um, book to film adaptation and I don't think anybody had the energy to watch that whole show I did Uh, yeah no but I mean like to do it for the podcast oh no (laughs) (laughs) I was not gonna watch that movie that show again not watching it twice so um, what we decided to do is take a look back and I remembered um, a an adaptation that I watched a couple of years ago called My Friend Dahmer, which is what we're talking about today. If you guys don't know what My Friend Dahmer is, it is um, actually a graphic novel based on the very early life of Jeffrey Dahmer prior to when he started doing what he was doing. Mm. Um, if, ever, if anybody needs like an overview of it as well, because some people don't care about this and don't pay attention to it or don't want to pay attention to it. So just like as a quick background, Jeffrey Dahmer was um an american serial killer he murdered 17 17. men between 1978 and i think 1991 is when he was apprehended yes a lot of them were underage um and he was arrested and convicted in 1991 and then killed in prison in 1994 he was there he was up for like the death sentence that was i believe so but i don't remember if it was it was the 90s so it might have been commuted at that point Mm -hmm. and stuff and i don't know if wisconsin still had the death sentence in the early 90s that had been that was something that was had been changing a lot over the last like decade or so but i think the thing about Dahmer was the brutality of the murder oh yeah um and like the show is really good at this um, portraying like the uh, social like background of what was going on here, he was exclusively murdering um, and targeting young homosexual men of color. Yes, specifically because um, people didn't miss them as much. Exactly, and you know the show is good at, at showing that narrative, like from their perspective on the impacts that it had on those communities and. You know, so many families, either of immigrants or, you know, black families losing Mm -hmm. their sons. Uh, There's one episode, and I've got chills thinking about it, of the young man who was deaf. And, you know, he, it was the only one that they showed that it seemed like he actually loved that man, but he murdered him anyway. Um, 
But yeah, so this movie is a different take. A different take. I I would say overall, maybe not for everybody, but for I think a wide audience, maybe an easier pill to swallow. Mm. Um, I know a lot of people were really bothered by the series, which I can understand because it goes into very great detail. I haven't even watched the whole thing yet, and it's very graphic. Nothing bothers me most of the yeah, time, it's so very hard to watch. Yeah, so I can understand that. Um, but yeah, this is a really different version of Dahmer himself because it's also at a younger age. Um, so it gives you a really different and kind of interesting look into what was going on before, what mm. led to this and kind of what, what he was like mm. prior to. Obviously, there are things that are, you know, changed for entertainment purposes, but there's a lot of it that is fairly on target, I mm. would say, and like fairly true to life. Yeah. Um, so this was an interesting kind of different side of Dahmer, different version of Dahmer, not Dahmer the serial killer, Dahmer the weird teenager with a lot of problems yeah. and sort of where you could see there were warning signs there that people wouldn't have paid didn't attention to in the on. 1970s because yeah. of course they didn't. So yes. um, we should probably just jump right into it because I'm sure we have a lot to talk about and a lot of comparisons that we want to make. So let's get going let's get right into it and let's talk about my friend Dahmer Jeff's a little off you know I think he's kind of hilarious <laughs> I like bones it interests me what's inside I see things in you that I don't like about myself I want you to have friends in ways that I never could I'm just like anybody else <laughs> not a sideshow attraction. Are you okay? Get out of your shell. You need to be more normal. I now present to you Jeffrey Dahmer in his command performance. So the movie is from, when is it from? 2017, mm. actually. And it currently has a 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb and 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, I would say also the film is, like I, I did mention in the intro, the film's based on uh, a graphic novel written by, I think it's John Bachdorf in uh, 2012 is when it was originally published. John Bachdorf, uh, his nickname was Durf. It is in the film as well. Mm -hmm. um, he wrote, he started drawing, they were friends in high school, mm -hmm. and he started drawing pictures of Jeffrey Dahmer when they were at high school together. I think some of the illustrations are actually used in the graphic novel as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is sort of his perspective about their kind of younger experience together and their experience together prior to Jeffrey Dahmer starting to do what he did yeah. really. And kind of, I guess, you know, it was probably like a cathartic kind of thing to write and stuff as well. I don't see how it would be an easy thing ever to realize that you're friends or you were, you were friends or are friends with somebody who's done something that's atrocious so well i mean i think what's interesting is all the um like you said earlier like all the warning signs and he includes them in his graphic novel i yes. guess it must have been his like you said his only way of just kind of getting his thoughts and feelings about the whole situation out on paper yep. because how do you sort through something like that Absolutely. you know when you've been friends with somebody who is clearly disturbed clearly very strange but you know a lot of teenagers are strange in high school Absolutely. and what's the spectrum of being strange and weird 
and then going over the line to becoming an actual murderer, you yeah. know? And I, I think that that's what this kind of explores. Yeah, is that idea. And I think that um, because the film, it is disturbing because uh, much, I, I would say much of it is disturbing because of the performances more than anything else, as opposed to like a lot of the content, because it's really more based on like how Jeffrey Dahmer himself acted in certain situations, as opposed to how everybody else is acting like you know what I mean like I don't even know how to describe this properly like you don't see it's not like he mur- he doesn't murder anyone in this movie no, right but he thinks about but it but he thinks about doing it really and he's like fantasizing yeah, about doing it he, and he's got a lot of inner turmoil for sure it. and so but I think that um I think that most of this movie does hinge on Ross Lynch's performance he mm. plays Jeffrey Dahmer um, and I think everybody would agree, obviously, if you've watched the Netflix show that Evan Peters fucking blows it out of the water, Totes. like it's not normal. Uh, he's ridiculously talented, so that's not surprising. Um, but I think that this one is, this is like a quieter version, but I think that this movie does deserve, um, credit and Ross Lynch does deserve credit for doing this as mm. well. He was like a Disney Channel original yeah, star was. before I saw this. That. And I he's was also, like, oh, okay. Yeah, and he also, now I think he's more known because he was in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. Mm-hmm. He played Harvey, like mm-hmm. a Harvey character. Yeah. Um, and so I, th- I think people know him for that now. But before that, my understanding, I never watched him in anything because a lot of the Disney Channel stuff was just a little after our time. Mm-hmm. So I never really got into any of it. Like that Hannah Montana... Camp Rock, like yeah. Jonas Brothers kind yeah. of like era that was just after us, maybe like mm-hmm. three, four years after us. So it was never really something that I paid attention to. But apparently he was in a whole bunch of those shows Interesting. as well, which I had no idea. <laughs> but there you go. Um, so the movie itself um, and the story itself takes place, basically the years are like, I think it's 1974 to 1978. Mm-hmm. So it's throughout more or less when he's in high school, kind mm-hmm. of leaving middle school, going into high school sort of thing. And just like his experiences as a young person and as a teenager. Um, and the fact that from a young age, he did have uh, specific desires that were not normal, not yeah. of the norm and should have probably been dealt with but again mental health care wasn't what it was in the 70s parents would have just been like my kid's a bit weird and then ignored it I mean parents would do that now to be fair like a lot most people aren't going to be like oh do you know what I'm sure that my kid might kill somebody later <laughs> so I guess okay so the first things we start to see obviously Jeffrey is strange and he was an odd person. You can't, I don't, I think most people would agree. I don't care what anybody says about fucking Ted Bundy. He was a weird dude. And oh, I think he yeah. was already weird to begin with. Even interviews when he was going through like his trial and stuff like that. No, there was something off about him. He was fucking strange. Yeah, but I think the difference is that he was like really handsome and he was like charming. I don't too. see the handsome. No, I don't either. I'm just saying, every time like, I watch anything, people always yeah. do that with him, where they're like, "Oh, but Ted Bundy was so good looking." I'm like, "No, he wasn't." But I mean, maybe for the time he was. I guess. Like maybe he had a look about him that and was well I, suited. I don't know. Like based on what I've seen, like I don't, I don't claim to know much about Jeffrey Dahmer, but based on what I've seen from like tv and film adaptations he was like a really weird creepy dude for sure i don't think he didn't have many friends it was he's like the type of human that you stay away from on instinct yeah yeah i get the feeling a lot of people did yeah but when he's so the thing is when he was younger and this actually was a thing and this is what they're kind of showing in the film as well he developed a fascination basically with kind of almost like dissecting the bodies of dead animals. Mm. Um, 
that like roadkill pretty much that he would find on the side of the road. And that was something that was interesting to him. Now, I don't, I think it's important to note that because someone is interested in something like discovering like the interior of like an animal's body and stuff, that doesn't make them a serial killer. And those things don't make you a murderer. You can like, his father didn't think that his father thought that he had a scientific mind and that he was interested in it from a scientific perspective specifically. And he did encourage that, which I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, there are people out there who perform autopsies for a living. A hundred percent. We need people to do that. I mean, I think I said it on a previous previous episode i knew a girl who full-on wanted to be an autopsy doer whatever the technician technician. (laughs) and she said to me i was a weird kid um like i think that there are people out there who are just fascinated by this stuff and like megan said we need people to do this we need people to be fascinated by like the human body and what goes on inside of a person because we need medical professionals to be able to and the research to be done to be able to help people and advance medicine exactly um and to be able to like you said perform autopsies and determine a person's cause of death like you need people to do that so it's not a bad thing and you need people to do it with animals as well we need veterinarians we need technicians we need people who can do that um on both the living and the dead they do (laughs) autopsies on animals too yeah they do as well there you go so you need people who are able to do all of these sorts of things so i don't think that so I think that I, cause I think that from an outside perspective, it's easy to look at that and be like, oh, I used to pick up roadkill and like, you know, that's it. Like, you know, like bleach their bones and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And of course people are automatically like, what a fucking freak. And you're like, no, that's not necessarily. Like, it's kind of weird. It's like, a bit it's strange. It's a bit off kilter. Creepy. Sure. But yeah. And yeah, yeah. On the surface, I think that you could think that, but I think it's important that like, you know, uh, people don't ostracize a human being simply because they have interests that are, are a little bit odd like yeah, that. Exactly. Um, but I think it's more important that, you know, on top of those sorts of things that he thinks that, um, while all of this is going on, his parents' marriage is falling apart yes. and they're fighting all the time. And his mother does have a lot of mental health problems. She had yes. had severe depression at different times. And, and again, in the seventies, sixties, seventies, like it's not exactly. Yeah. Like, I believe that her father does have a line where he indicates that she was institutionalized. And I think that that's true for a period of time. I think she, she did spend time in a mental health institution. And so uh, those sorts of problems, you know, they don't come out of nowhere. It's something that kind of like has built up over time. And so I would think that him using, maybe partially using what he was doing, like, you know, with the animals and stuff as an escape, I think you have to look at part of the root cause of that as well, which oh, yeah. a lot of it I'm sure was to do with his parents. Yeah. And I think like, if you look at, you know, some of these cases, and I'm sure that there are many cases of this that have not been like, widely broadcast because they weren't necessarily serial killers but you know in those years probably from what the the 30 anytime before what the early 2000s you know there were probably many many cases where people were functioning in society but they were very not okay yes and they could have really used additional mental health support but the version of support that they were getting was like you know, locking them away, putting them in a padded cell, giving them electric shock treatment. Like these are types of things that were given to people in the past that just exacerbated the situations Mm -hmm. more. And, you know, we're fortunate that we know more about it now, but certainly people like Jeffrey Dahmer and some of these serial killers, they could have really used some, you know, additional mental health support. But you see it throughout this movie that he's obviously very disturbed by his own thoughts. And he tries to stop it and they mention it in the tv show as well that he is 
Like, he just comes right out and he he just starts saying, like, no, no, like, I did it. Like, oh, I know yeah. it was wrong, like, yeah. but I couldn't not do it, He you was know? never, he wasn't the type of one who, like, I denied it until the end. No, he was honest basically immediately when he was apprehended oh, as yeah. to what was going on, like, when he was actually arrested. Yeah. Before that, no, obviously not, yeah. but... You know, oh, during yeah. that period of time, yeah, he was, he was. Um, and so I think also, you can also see too that, you know, in the film, like his dad doesn't totally want to dissuade him because his father's a chemist as well. So for him too, this is a scientific thing. Yes. And so I can see from one scientist to another that you would be like, no, this isn't something you should necessarily discourage. However, his dad does pitch a bit of a fit and break some of his stuff because he's like, you have to go and like make friends mm. and get a girlfriend and whatever. Be a normal teenager. Yes. I think it's also important to note as well that Jeffrey at this time knows that he's gay, but mm. it was the 70s and he wasn't going to tell anyone about mm. that. I think he had, I believe, a if I'm not mistaken, he had a brief relationship with a boy around his age when he was a teenager. They never, I don't think they ever engaged in actual sexual activity, but they did kind of have a relationship, mm. which I'm pretty sure in the film is what they're alluding to with that friend of his who's trying to get him to go see a concert right. with him who keeps getting beat up and everybody's calling him a gay slur yeah. that I won't repeat. That's no. fine. Mm. Um, and stuff. Oh God, I'm gonna knock people's water bottles Bubble. over. Um, <laughs> um, it's my drinking thing. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think that you know. So I think that that also plays largely into it because in not being able to admit who he was, he manifested these really these really dark fantasies that he had, and unfortunately, his fantasies become something that is less simply a fantasy about engaging in sexual activity with another man and something, and it becomes engaging in sexual activity with um, another man who's immobile, who's not moving, who's either not conscious or not alive, right. basically, because it really bothered him when he did engage in sexual activity that people would move while mm -hmm. it was happening. And he didn't like that, which is like a whole other thing that I have no degree in psychology, so I couldn't answer couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you why but <laughs> anyway but that really bothered him and he didn't like that so basically his dad trashes a bunch of his stuff and is like no go make friends go do something whatever and this is what starts I feel like I should have given like a blanket trigger warning for this episode first of all because the content's very disturbing oh, yeah. in general but also I'm going to give a little trigger warning as well because part of and this is something that did happen as well uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was known to be like the class clown type uh, yes. because one of the things that he decides to start doing to I guess somehow find friends or get positive positive attention from people is that he starts um, his mum has this guy over who's uh, an interior decorator, basically, mm. but he has, like, I guess cerebral palsy or something. Oh, yes. This really does become, like, a central... Um little part and, this is, and I don't know about the interior yeah. decorator part but I do know that he did start doing things like this to get attention at school and people yeah. thought he was quite funny because it was funny to make fun of people with physical disabilities yeah. in the 70s you have to think about it it was a really different time well, uh, uh, thank yeah God we've moved on from yeah that. at least a little bit most people have yeah. um so he to get attention starts uh basically imitating like the gestures and like the speech pattern of like this person and stuff and starts having like pretty much a fake seizure 
at school. And of course, people think it's hilarious. And he catches the attention of John Bachdorf, who's the man who actually wrote the graphic novel. In the movie, he's played by Alex Wolf, who was in things like Hereditary. Mm. And I think he was in that M. Night Shyamalan movie, Old, which I haven't watched, but sounds hilarious. Right. Um, anyway, he's a really good actor. Uh, who He catches his attention and a couple of his friends. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's really funny. It's like dumb. I do really appreciate about the script of this movie is that like so much of like the conversation that they're having and the way that the kids act it's such teenager shit like mm. it feels realistic yeah the conversations that they have what they think is funny yeah how they act with each other oh yeah it's very very true to like what i like what i've witnessed like te- teenagers interacting looks like basically it doesn't matter when it is it can be around different technology at a different time but they all still kind of are the same way yeah. with one another oh, totally Totally. There are a lot of similarities. So he catches their attention. Basically, uh, Durf and his friends decide that they're going to form like a Jeff Dahmer fan club, whatever thing. And I really hate this, right? Well, it's stupid. Yeah, well, they put him up on this pedestal of being the funny guy. Yeah, but they do it like in like a making fun of someone way. Kind of, yeah. Kids still do this. Oh, yeah. Like big time. Oh, for sure. And they're really bad. And they do it to the kid who's like a little different. Like they, they will never do it to the kid who's like full-on like very different like you know there's an obvious like disability or something but the kid who's really weird and who's struggling and who they can easily make fun of they're gonna go the extra mile and do shit like this yeah it's I think it starts as that and I think they genuinely did kind of become friends with him at least for a period of time after that but Jeffrey Dahmer was a weird guy so I'm Mm -hmm. sure that it would have been difficult to have like a really close friendship with someone like that I don't know anyway um at this same time, that's a Durf is like drawing and stuff a lot, um, which makes sense given his later, you know, jobs and right. stuff. Uh, he and he starts drawing Jeffrey like in different situations, and it becomes like a little thing for him that mm. he's just like you know interested in drawing him and stuff. Um, they play all kinds of different pranks. Like they do like a thing in the library where again, he does like the palsy thing where he like, you know, like makes the noises and stuff like that. And they get someone else in trouble for it just for shits and gigs. Um, They do this very briefly in the show. Like they, yeah, they and do they a don't bit. explain it very much. Like they really just show it very briefly. Oh, and it was yeah. like, okay. My understanding is that basically when he was in high school, this was his shtick. Yeah. Um, it's the only reason I guess people even knew that he existed really. Yeah. And he also started drinking really heavily and stuff at that yeah. time. I think he smoked a bunch of weed too. Yeah. Because uh, it was the 70s. I think he was like trying to drown out his thoughts. Of More than likely because at this time he was also, that's it. He like, he, you know, couldn't express his sexual desires, which were for another male, which again, nobody would have been okay with at the time. Yeah, but they weren't that simple. Like he literally wanted to murder people. No, well, I know, but <laughs> I mean like even if it just started, because yeah. it didn't totally start that way, right? right? It started from just fantasizing about a man and then it was fantasizing about an immobile man and then eventually it became fantasizing about like a dead man basically and using the anyway he did it later it's gross um so uh, they do that they have this other prank where they stick him in all of the yearbook photos for the different clubs he walks into all of them like at the last minute which that one I was actually like okay that's actually kind of funny yeah And and again, they do show that in the TV show, but again, very briefly with no explanation. It's almost like, this would be like almost like a good double feature. Watch this before the show and then watch the show. (laughs) 
<laughs> like if you want to be like if you want to be like oh i'm kind of like endeared by this poor soul who was really weird in high school and then all of a sudden like oh shit yeah oh never mind never mm. mind i take it all back mm. guys um yeah so they do all of that at this same time jeffrey has slowly but surely is becoming obsessed with the jogger that he sees running down the same road near their house every day. Um, they did take like a little bit of liberty with this because, uh, so in the film, and I don't know, probably maybe in the graphic novel as well, I'm not sure, the jogger is a local doctor mm. who's, um, like Jeffrey goes to see him at one point and he's one of the friends, like in their friend group, he's his family doctor, I think, because right. they stop him in the parking lot to talk to him and it's, what's his face? It's uh, Vincent Carthizer. He was in Mad Men. Yes. And stuff. Yes. That guy. He used to be married to Alexis Liddell. Um, um, she's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> they used to be married because she was on Mad Men for a bit too. All right. Yeah. So, um, and you know, he starts becoming obsessed with him because he sees him jogging every day. And you've seen him since the beginning of the film. He sees this person jogging and he mm. has like a fixation. Mm. That's a real thing. It, as far as I'm aware, it was a totally random stranger and not like anybody that he knew through town or was like a doctor in the area or mm. anything like that. He was just, he would see this man yeah. running and became fixated on him, yeah. like an obsession basically. Yeah. And I know that in reality, it was the same thing. There is an instance where he almost, he wanted to attack the jogger. Yeah. He decided he wanted to do that. He went to the same spot he hid uh but the jogger didn't come by that day so whoever that man was that kind of saved his life yeah. potentially or from something from having happened i don't know running is dangerous people <laughs> don't jog <laughs> <laughs> don't go outside if your gut tells you today is not the day to jog just yeah, remember jeffrey dahmer yeah um and then through that also jeffrey because they they added this little element of him being someone who's actually known jeffrey gets an appointment with him at one point for like a checkup mm. goes to see him um um, and so that he can examine him, basically, because he wants him to touch him. It's like a whole thing. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and while he's at the exam, the doctor gets uncomfortable because he gets an erection. Jeffrey gets an erection in the middle of it because he's really turned on by this because he's been so fixated on this person right. yep. that he becomes, like, sexually excited by the whole thing. Mm. So the doctor gets uncomfortable and is like, whoa, okay. And yeah. then that ex I think it's that night, that's when we get some of the darker instances of the film there aren't too many most of them like i said it's all ross lynch just mm. being good at playing the character yeah uh because most of it's fairly innocuous yeah. at face value it's only when you think about it from like the context of knowing who this person actually was and what he did later yeah that you're like whoa what the fuck um that night's where you get like one of the actual scenes where it's a little bit more disturbing he um he there's like a moment where like they have a scene of him lying in bed cuddling with the doctor but the doctor's dead like his eyes are like wide open and he's staring at the ceiling and I think yeah. he's wearing like his jogging outfit yeah. and you're like whoa and yeah, Jeffrey's yeah. like cuddling him and you're like oof okay and in the show they do this as well like they keep showing him like cuddling up against like the dead bodies and yeah stuff. yeah well that's yeah. what he liked he had a weird thing with torsos chests yes. and torsos he had like a fixation with them and he would cuddle a lot after because of that it's why he stole that mannequin yes, from that place that he worked as well because yes. he needed to like cuddle it anyway yes. um but he doesn't you know anyway luckily that's it the jogger never ran by that day so and he doesn't go through with actually attacking him thankfully yeah um while all of this is going on like i said his parents marriage was basically already falling to pieces mm. and at this time his dad leaves right um as well 
uh, and he stays with his mom for a period of time. She also leaves later on with his little brother. With his little she gets brother. killed, and she yeah. and he's like what seventeen, eighteen, and she's like bye, and she just like dips yeah. with the kid and is like you can take care of yourself right in this house by yourself. Yeah, it's it's, it's really a lot of neglect, sad. a yeah. lot of just he was obviously like in the movie. I don't know how true this was, but in the movie, they really make it seem like she did not love him as her other kid. She only wanted the younger one. They show that in the TV show a lot, too. Yeah, that she um, was, like, not interested in him yeah. because the way that, you know, she, even at one point when she's, uh, the parents are going through their divorce, mm. and he comes into the kitchen at one point, and his mom's yelling on the phone at the lawyer about mm. what's going on yeah. and about whatever settlement, I assume. Um, and he's, like, trying to get her attention. He's like, Mom, Mom, and she just ignores him the yeah. entire time. I'm like, yeah, okay, so she didn't really care love him no that's yeah. it and it turns out what did happen and what does happen as well is that um it was Joyce Dahmer I believe mm, was his mom's yes. name his father's name was Lionel that's so right. Joyce leaves with Dave his younger brother yes. and it turns out when she did that because they were they were in Ohio at this point he was born in Wisconsin and he moved back there later right when he was killing people more a little bit but his first victim he actually did murder in Ohio Oh, um, interesting. Yes. Oh, fun fact about this movie, all of the Jeffrey Dahmer's, like, at all of the house, the family house that they're in, that was his actual childhood home oh, in really? Bath, Ohio. And Alex Wolf, who played John Bachter's character, he said that there was the the house had a weird fucking vibe. He said they got yeah. uncomfortable when they were there, and it seemed like some electrical stuff stopped working sometimes, and they were like weird, it's like haunted. Well, spooky. I mean, it's got bad juju. Got bad juju. <laughs> it's just bad vibes all around. I think so. Ugh. Yeah. So he anyway, and so when and this, it's true that when this did happen at first, his mom just took off like this because mm. again, unfortunately, she was fairly stable and she did have a lot of mental health issues when she took off she left him there by himself and his dad had no idea that she'd no, done this none. no and he they, did not they know show this in the show as well and his dad comes back i don't know how long later and he's well he's like, remarried at that point as well yeah <laughs> and like jeffrey's just been in this house by himself all this time getting weirder and weirder oh yeah and, like, drinking more and more like you know he's got no type of structure nobody telling him what he should or shouldn't no. do he's not eating properly like and so he's just stuck in this house alone with his thoughts and his alcohol basically. and it is not good yeah he did yeah. have a pretty heavy drinking problem yeah. for quite a long time as well and you see it start to happen a bit in uh the movie and i know in the show it's on oh, front yeah. like front and center you see it a lot he yeah. had like a pretty severe alcohol addiction so um yeah it's mostly it's a lot of scenes like that there are a lot of intercut like little things you know he uh, the friends start to find him a little bit too weird and you can tell yeah. they're not spending as much time with him. He goes, he asks a girl to a dance cause he feels like he has to. Yeah. She goes with him. She looks super uncomfortable. It made me uncomfortable to watch. Yep. Um, and you know, he talks to Durf a little bit more while they're there. Um, you know, and you do see interactions with like some of the other people at school. Oh my God, I totally forgot one of the guys. Um, what's his name? What do they call him? Thig, I think the stoner guy who's like selling everybody weed at right. school is, uh, what's his face? Smiles Rob. <laughs> Um, he was he's in like the 2018 Halloween movie and he's also Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins son oh okay yeah he's been in a bunch of stuff he's actually a really really good actor but oh, I yeah. forgot that he was in this movie and then I was like oh shit <laughs> just like with a long wig yeah. and trying to get everybody high it was very funny because so it was, was shaggy yes it was so stereotypically 70s he was just like hey you guys want to get high and he's like running off to everybody with his weed <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time I watch something like from a little weed fairy 
But it was hilarious because it's always funny when you watch something that's set either is from a different time or is set at a time yeah. like that when every like this was all illegal. Yeah. And so it's funny to see how like Open. cloak and dagger yeah. everybody was where they were like, do you want to buy some weed? And you're like, oh, I even. Dude like, with a trench coat. Yeah, that's it. I even, But I remember even like when we were younger, we were in high school in like the mid 2000s and that's like weed wasn't like legal then either. So I mean, technically everybody was doing the same thing, weren't they? Know, we had an ecstasy problem at my school. Nobody ever tried to sell yeah, weed drugs. you know what? You I went think, to a private school. I know. I think they thought I was going to wrap the mouth Probably. Though, nobody <laughs> ever approached me and offered no. me drugs. Not once. You, but you <laughs> went to a private school. So richer kids, I guess, oh, want yeah. higher quality drugs that well, aren't just think, weed weed is like kids stuff yeah because i think like i used to hear about your school with like the alcohol oh and, yeah like, alcohol <laughs> wasn't even like that was like like you know kitty fodder yeah like, it was, it like, was like not even like you know something that they worried about it was all ecstasy and other drugs Oh, man. There was definitely that going on with us, too. But it was more likely, like, at a school dance, we did have one or two people who wound up with alcohol poisoning and oh, stuff right. like that. Yeah, those kinds of things. Ah, oh, public school. Anyway. We had a lot of ODs. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you do see... You do see, you know, sort of, like, a lot of his interactions becoming, I guess, more and more sparse again with people where, like, you know, I think he had, he had calmed down for a while and was yeah. kind of controlling himself a bit. But with sort of distancing himself from friends again and stuff mm. like that. The friends get uncomfortable and a lot of the others, like Durfus and as much, but a lot of the others are like, ooh, no thanks. Yeah. yeah. I'm just gonna, I'm not really interested. Think, this guy is weird. I think Durf had been his friend a bit longer too. Well, I think they all kind of became friends around the same time, but they were closer. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. than the other two were. The other two are just like their other friends, yeah. basically, who were like in the group. Um, So finally we kind of... We're getting, we get to like sort of the end of all of it. Um, and it does kind of culminate again. I don't know if this actually happened. I would actually be curious. I'd need to read a bit more about it to see. I don't know if this happened, but there's a final interaction between Jeffrey and Durf where he, Durf's driving home from school. They've graduated or they're graduating at this point. He sees Jeff walking home, picks him up and is like, Hey, do you need like a, do you need a ride home or what? You know? Mm. Um, and he, takes he offers to give him a ride he takes him home they have a really charged conversation in the car where jeff is trying to get him to go inside the house with him That's so it's fucking so terrifying. terrifying it's terrifying that scene is really good because just the amount that like one is trying and mm. the other one is uncomfortable with the way that he's trying you're like ooh boy they do that a lot in the show yeah, there's there's one guy who ends up like a at his place and like it's just so awkward it's on so how he like forces him over and you're like why are you going yeah over don't go there like, I know no it's know. so un- it's so uncomfortable yeah. and you're like I guess people wanted money at the time and stuff yeah. anyway because of course that's another thing that he did he pretended to like be a photographer yep. and he would pick guys up at bars and be like oh I'll take your picture and give you a hundred bucks or whatever yep. um anyway so they have this really sort of weirdly loaded conversation where no one says what they're actually thinking mm. um but Durf does turn him down he's like no I have to go have dinner with my parents sorry yeah. but I gotta go um and there's this really intense moment too where uh when he's walking back to his car Jeffrey picks up a baseball bat mm. and it looks like he's going to actually like hit him over the head or something he doesn't because he decides not to and he puts it down probably because he's like people will probably know I had something to do with this because they knew each other they were good friends anyway yeah he lo- I think in the show it kind of looks like he loses that like 
level of logic. Because he had one, point. he had one shtick. He had well, one thing it. that he would yeah. do, which would be to act like a disabled person. Right. And when you get past that, you're like, I don't know how else to connect with this person. Right. But what I mean is, like, he he kills people. And you're kind of like, oh my god, like, they're gonna know you did it. Yeah. But he does it anyway, you know, and he somehow manages to get get away with it for the longest time. Yeah, well, so, it was, again, what you were saying earlier was mostly because of the demographic of people oh, who he absolutely. chose to. But uh, I think what I'm, I'm saying is, like, he loses that level of logic, I think, the more, like, into his madness that he falls, yes, you know? Yes, yeah. And then, yeah, so it's a really tense sort of end to their relationship. And when Durf is driving away at the end, he notices the baseball bat sitting right yeah. there, and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And he, like, drives away. And I don't think that he they really had contact with each other after they graduated graduated high school they didn't seem to talk again so now so basically but basically my understanding is that that's it he graduated and then this again does follow events this was he was still I think in Ohio at this point and it was June it would have been June of 1978 so like right after they finished their school year he was driving down the road um, and he saw uh, a guy hitchhiking Mm. like a shirtless guy hitchhiking on the road he stopped to be like hey can I give you a ride somewhere Mm. um you know or hey like you know I have beer back at my place do you want to go do you want to come back over we can like party for a bit because the guy said he was going to a concert right um and he was like but I have to be there for a while and he was like yeah I've got like you know I have beer at my place do you want to come back and party and the guy says yeah sure he goes I'm Jeff and the guy says my name is Stephen Hicks and Stephen Hicks was his first victim um we don't see what happens but obviously if you know anything I guess if you know anything about the case and you're like aware of it he brought him back to his place they drank for a bit according to Jeffrey Stephen wanted to leave at one point he didn't want him to and so he killed him mm-hmm. so with a, a dumbbell yeah they show that in the show yes yes yeah. the guy wants to leave yeah. he's like ew you're gay basically. yeah basically yeah. um yeah so and that's how the film ends like you know we just get like a bit of a crawl at the end that indicates that it's Stephen Hicks disappeared in June of 1978 he was never seen again yeah um and he was Jeffrey's first victim yeah um by, as far as I'm aware, by confession, by everything. I don't think that anybody assumes that he killed anybody before that, but I'm not 100% sure. Well, I think, I think also he was cooperating with the police when they did. He was, yeah. So I think, I think the assumption is that all of his victims were found. Were accounted for. Um, even if they, they weren't found. I know Stephen Hicks was not, his remains were never found. Mm. My understanding is that he, like, chemically dissolved the body and, um, crushed the bones and, like, spread them somewhere. Like, it was, he was very thorough about it at first, anyway. Um, yeah, so that's basically, like, how the film ends. It's, yeah, like I said, it's, like, a much quieter version because he, it's not like he's running around murdering people on camera because it he was younger and it was before any of this was happening. Yeah. Um, but it's a good movie. It's really underrated, I find. Like, it's, it was, it's a really well-made film. The performances are good. It's quiet, which, again, I think is why it doesn't get a lot of attention. Well, I mean, I find that these movies that have to do primarily with, like, the human psyche and, like, a human interaction. And, and not, like, and not like, oh, look, we're seeing the murders on yeah, screen kind or, of like, thing. like, big, like, explosions yes, yeah. like, action. Like, they don't get as much attention, unfortunately, but there's something very... Um, fascinating about them nevertheless and in its own way it's you know just as disturbing as anything else that you would see exactly right so um but it's an interesting film yeah yeah I liked it um I've I haven't read the graphic novel so I couldn't tell you if either of them are better necessarily but it's a well-made film and I know that um the actual John Bachter himself I think he I don't know if he produced or if he consulted on the film like they had him there Mm. for parts of it and he 
did say he was actually, <laughs> he actually got uncomfortable a few times when he was speaking to Ross Lynch when he was in full makeup and costume because mm-hmm. he found that he looked a lot like Jeffrey did oh, back yeah. then and it really bothered him. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I can't imagine what it must be like to look back on a childhood friend and know what they did to other people and ask yourself, like, should I have done something? Yeah, like, could, did, should I have seen that yeah. specific part of this like, person? Like, I knew he was weird and... Like, this guy was obviously creeped out by Dahmer enough to never speak to him yeah. again. And, like, the other kids, too. So it's, like, they must wonder, like, what could I have done? Should I have alerted the authorities? Like, but I didn't, they didn't have anything but there was nothing to go it's, with. Yeah, that's it. It's one of those situations where it's, like, things are off, but not, like, off enough to call the police. Yeah. Like, what would you even tell them? Yeah. And at the time, they would have been, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, if you think like, about the, the, the yeah, if you do. think about the time itself, again, that would have been something that would have been, like, what? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, do you have a body for me? Because yeah. if you don't, I really don't talk to you about exactly. this. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Shitty people out there. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I'm curious if anybody's actually read My Friend Dahmer. I'd be curious to know, like, sort of, like, compared to the film, I guess, like, what it's like, what's different, what's not different, especially since it's told through the lens of a graphic novel. That's, like, a really particular way of putting that story down on paper. Mm -hmm. So I would be curious about that. So you guys can um, let us know over on Instagram at fullybookedca or check out our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better. And it is the end of nonfiction month over here on the podcast and if you're still listening to us which i hope you are uh please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this episode and until next time guys keep on reading thanks everyone